I'm Hannah Trum, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from Powbox where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. If data breaches financial and reputational risk isn't unique to healthcare or industries that touch sensitive data or personal information. Organizations of all shapes and sizes need to seriously assess their cybersecurity stack and find weak spots in their InfoSec protocol more often than they probably are. If your organization doesn't have a dedicated cybersecurity or compliance team, how do you learn more about what you should be doing? Where can you turn to? How do you even know what you're supposed to be doing? My guest today is Jane Harper. Jane is the Senior Director of Information Security Risk Management and Business Engagement at Eli Lilly & Company. Jane has decades of experience in information technology across various industries, including healthcare, and has created and implemented InfoSec policies from the ground up. She and I discuss the importance of a robust cybersecurity stack, no matter the size of your organization, how to use your professional network to your advantage, and we discuss advice for the next generation joining the industry. Hi, Jane. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to jump right into these questions. You have almost two decades of risk and security experience in various industries, including finance and healthcare, two sectors that are often hit relentlessly with cyber attacks and are literal gold mines for bad actors. Do you think that all industries should handle sensitive information and prepare for and assist risk in the same way? So that is a great question. And what I'll say is that just like there are many similarities and differences in both, you know, what and how risk management is executed, I'll separate my answer into the what and the how. From a what perspective, risk management, absolutely. All organizations need to do it because all organizations have some risk. Risk is inherent. And we have to continue to say that over and over again. None of us are going to get away from risk. Mm-hmm. So the need to assess risk is important for every industry and every organization. Now, here's where a little bit of the difference comes in. From a difference perspective, like the uniqueness of various industries, finance, healthcare, insurance, every organization within every industry can have a unique risk and they have to be managed uniquely. When I think about this, I laugh sometimes because the fundamental misunderstanding of what true risk management is gets lost in these types of messages. Mm -hmm. I often see organizations or people jump straight from threat to risk, right? And they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. So each organization will need to understand its own threat landscape, the vulnerabilities associated with it, and then assess their risk. Now, let's talk a little bit about the how. From the how perspective, there can also be similarities and differences. Foundationally, you must have a consistent, repeatable process for how you identify and treat risk. Mm-hmm. You've got to monitor, you've got to report, and all of those wonderful stages in between. In my book, Risk Management 101, I actually talk about the seven phases that I have found success with. When we talk a little bit about the difference, it goes back to that uniqueness and each organization's individual tolerance and appetite. There may be risk in an organization that the executive leadership team decides they can accept. It doesn't necessarily mean that the organization down the street and around the corner mm-hmm. would also accept those risks. So it's, not a, it up, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. You got it. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. 
So this kind of leads me right into my next uh, question. I say this in literally every episode. Being proactive is the name of the game in cybersecurity. You have led uh, successful risk assessment and program implementations across hundreds of departments, which are very proactive steps. What do you think is the first step any organization should take to identify risk within their data security? That is a great question. So for me, risk management is about the things that are important. We only execute risk management drills on the things that are important. The things that don't matter, right? We don't care about the risk. So when we think about that, let's talk about something as simple as data. And imagine data as an asset. So organizations must understand what their assets are, understand what's important, and then execute the appropriate level of risk management for those assets. Otherwise, you will find yourself spending more money for the control or to manage the risk associated with the asset than what the asset is actually worth. Do you think that assessing an organization's risk once a year, especially in our current work from home and pandemic climate, is enough? Only if they know something I don't. Okay. In all honesty, it really does have to do with um, the type of assessment. You should think about your risk management portfolio, the same way that you think about your technology stack, Mm -hmm. the same way that you think about tools in a toolbox, right? You don't pull a hammer out to do the job of a screwdriver. I mean, I might, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very handy, but yes. (laughs) You might still get where you're going, but then it begs the question again about what I talked about previously. You know, did you exert more effort Yes. Then you need it to, right? Yes. Working like, harder and not smarter. It's what people harder do all the time. Smarter. Yeah. <laughs> and spending more than what the value of the asset might be. Yes. Um, but you really should have a tool set. And in that tool set, when you think about risk assessment, that enterprise, you know, overarching, far reaching assessment, that might be something that you do every year. Mm-hmm. Just because of the complexity and the moving parts, et cetera. But that shouldn't be the only risk assessing that you do. Mm-hmm. So if I think about what's going to work and what's going to be successful is you should have risk assessment tools, processes, practices for various types of risk, for various types of threats and vulnerabilities. It doesn't have to be one and done, mm-hmm. and it should never be one and done, but it doesn't always have to be that huge overarching <laughs> assessment every two to three months. Yes. It just needs to be proactive. Yeah. Uh, We were talking about uh, security stacks and IT stacks, a robust cybersecurity stack that does its job, aka doesn't allow cybersecurity uh, risks in, can be very costly. However, we both know that a data breach is often more costly. To me, investing in technology now seems like the only choice for any organization. Why do you think so many organizations, but especially in healthcare, are slow to invest in these easier to use or more innovative security solutions? Oh, that's really a good question. And I think the answer varies. Um, I have seen everything from they don't know any better (laughs) um, to they can't read the writing on the wall Mm -hmm. um, to when I think about my my financial services background, sometimes for organizations, it's really, really hard to justify spending capital on things that don't clearly have a defined return. Yeah, that can easily be tracked and measured. But at the end of the day, for the, for the organizations that know better, 
but choose not to do better, it's tolerance. They have a higher tolerance for it. Mm-hmm. So they look at it and they say, you know, bird in the hand, doing a bush. My risk tolerance tells me I'm going to keep this bird in my hand. Yep. <laughs> right? As opposed yes. to worrying about the two that might be in the bush down the street around the corner because of the bridge. Yes. I've talked to a couple of my guests before about this. And I kind of think as um, more millennials join the workforce and become in bigger roles and where they're making the shots, it'll be easier to phase out because I think that technology is very hard. It's changing all the time and it might be harder for those uh, maybe baby boomers to, like you said, grasp and understand and really see the writing on the wall. Well, I will tell you what, don't discount those boomers. I work with some ladies in EWF and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. That is absolutely phenomenal what, what, what she just said. Um, and I do think to some extent, we all stand on each other's shoulders as mm-hmm. humanity, which mm-hmm. is so important, especially for us as women, right? Mm-hmm. I Being totally able agree. To take some of that knowledge, that foundation, that wisdom, and then build upon it. Because I'm telling you, I want to see this next generation of cyber professionals come in here and knock it out the park. Because I do also recognize that even when I think about the work that I've done and what I think I'm able to do in the future, you know, there's a limit to that. Mm-hmm. And I go out and I talk to young, early career professionals all the time and try to entice people into our field and say, we need that young brain trust, right? That natural curiosity. So, yes, so, Absolutely. Uh, We work in an industry that is very much dominated by men. As a leader in this space, what kind of advice do you have for women in tech or STEM or InfoSec who are entering the workforce? Oh my goodness. There are a number of things that uh, I would share with you Okay, your top... What are your like top two things? We could probably spend a whole hour talking about this. So, you know, I'm going to be really candid and I'm going to say this. Looking over the course of my career, there are days that I came home and said, man, the, the guys really play rough. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest with all of you ECPs, ladies that are coming into the field, they still do. Yep. Okay? They still do. So there are a couple of things. Build the network. Relationships matter. You're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Have a natural curiosity that makes you willing to learn, but also coachable. Mm-hmm. And I'll just take a little a grace here and I'll add one more beyond the, the two. <laughs> Have some moxie. Uh-huh. Don't give up easily because there will be challenges. Yes. My motto is that if you're not learning, you're not growing, and then neither is your company. And that's just a disaster for everyone. Um, I that's like that you... I mean, Hannah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's that brilliance that this yeah. next generation continues to bring. And yeah. that is absolutely correct what you just said. Yes. And it doesn't even, and I think part of it is people think like your education has to continue meaning school, but it's really just anything that piques your interest or anything that you can enlighten your brain on that really is, I think, applies to that saying. Um, I re- actually, I'm glad that you brought up uh, networking because I read that you believe in the power of your network. I totally agree. I'm You and I are very similar. If you don't know the answer, you find someone who does know the answer. I do the same thing because it helps me make uh, a decision for larger decisions. You know, I can weigh someone else's professional advice against mine. Um, when figuring out new strategies or exploring new technologies, do you find it essential to reach out to your network and see what they're doing? You know, I do. Um, I, it's that natural curiosity, but it's also what I call our professional obligations to each other. So, I, and I don't just reach out to people in my industry, right? Or even people in my age group. I go talk to my wide spectrum of my network, 
my mm-hmm. millennials, even my Gen Z folks say, hey, have you heard of this? What's that? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, give me the, the cliff notes. Give me the 411. Um, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Or what some of them are now calling like the TikTok version. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the TikTok version. So yep. I think that is very important and we have to be able to do that. Um, there's one talk that I give about um, third party relationships like, like a marriage. Mm-hmm. And before going to give that talk, some of the millennials on my team told me about a new technology they wanted me to use. And I took it to that talk with me and I'm using it during the talk and I talk about um, how they influence that decision. So absolutely, mm-hmm. the network is important and not just, and again, this is for the ladies, not just about what's new and what's happening, but getting a pulse on how they're doing yes. in the environment as well. Sometimes you just need that sister girl shoulder to get <laughs> to and to cry on. I listened to some uh, board members um, talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion recently. And one of the things that the male ver- uh, board member stated that really resonated with me was that you have to have stamina. Mm-hmm. So, so ladies, yeah, build that network to help you with your stamina. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that you should pick everyone's brain that you possibly can. There are tons of people that are, I would say are in my network, but maybe um, aren't necessarily my friends, but they can give me some solid advice outside of, like you said, the women that I am close with or the people in my age group that I'm close with. Why? Why? <laughs> Switching gears just a little bit, um, going back to networking a little, how do you think organizations that can't have one or can't afford a dedicated risk or compliance officer go about researching solutions? So there are some really good professional organizations and there are um, really good opportunities to gather free information. So for example, I think about NCSA. NCSA pushes content all the time yes. that's free to everyone that you can go out and, and gather and leverage for your organization because mm-hmm. you need tips about things like cybersecurity awareness month. So leverage those things, you know, find, find the freebies first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I use, uh, y'all's resources all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm always on the website reading the free resources, resources because it's it's literally coming from the word of the horse of whatever that saying is. It's coming from, it's the gospel, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the horse's mouth. Yes, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how we came up with horse's mouth. The only horse that I ever knew that talked was like Mr. Ed. And I was like, did you guys go an entire thing on Mr. Ed, right? Well before my time, by the way. But um, yeah, it's it's a strange colloquialism. (laughs) Um, So, but the other thing is you want to be developing that talent. Mm -hmm. And so what you may need to do, if you have people who have the ability to do that type of work, you may want to sprinkle sprinkle some of those requirements Mm -hmm. into existing positions and job descriptions Yes, while you continue to develop those folks because you're going to need that talent. Mm -hmm. I also think that it's, part of, this could be because I am a millennial. Uh, I think it's part of a company's job to continue to educate and push their employees. And so I think it's a great thing to say, hey, we're hiring for this position, but you have to learn, you have to take compliance classes or you have to take you know, HIPAA classes or whatever it may be to, it's better for your organization and it's better for that person as well. Yes, right. It's that, it's the, the, the serendipitous mm-hmm. relationship that we like to call win-win where yes. both the organization and the individual person get the benefit. Mm-hmm. I see this funny. I've seen it on LinkedIn, uh, a business meme, of course. And it's like the CFO 
says something like, well, if we pay for all these education classes, what if they leave? And then the CEO is like, what if they don't leave anyway? And to me, it's the same with, is this, this, you can apply it to anything. And I think you can definitely apply it to cybersecurity. Like if we don't, aren't proactive and we pay for these things, like it's going to happen anyway. It's inevitable. We're going to be attacked. Oh, that is so good. Yes. What if they don't leave, right? Then you got this, you know, non-knowledgeable body of people that you were challenging to keep up with the changing threat landscape. That's a very powerful picture. Nothing is worse than an unmotivated worker. That's for sure. You know what? There's a talk where I give, where I tell a story, and one of the stories that I share with the audience, you know, touches on that. Um, that, that I think at least was a very powerful story. And yeah. Was anyway. <laughs> Um, so speaking about all of the things that you have learned in your career, how do you use what you've learned to approach risk management or data pr- privacy in your off hours life, in your personal life? I would say don't judge me, but every time I walk in a room, that's happening. So I don't even, I don't even necessarily care about that anymore. Um, <laughs> no judgment. Um, that's, that's me taking a tip from like my, my Gen Z. I have millennial and like uh, Gen Z kids that are teaching me. You can learn from everyone. Uh-huh. Um, what I will say is that I talk about this in my book, Risk Management 101. I actually risk assessed my husband before marrying <laughs> I would do the same. I, I'm not kidding you, Jane. I do the same thing with everyone. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a natural part of, of my fiber. But one of the things I'm really proud of is that I like to talk to early career professionals. Mm-hmm. I like to go out and do volunteering and mentoring. That's amazing. Encouraging more of you to pursue fields in STEM to come and pick up the banner and take it to the next level, a place that um, I will probably retire before we get to where we want to see it. Yes, I think we will both probably be retired. There's a lot I would like to see that I'm not sure is really tangible in the next 50 years or so, but that's okay. Like a talking horse, right? (laughs) Yes, so so that saying makes sense, talking from the horse's mouth or whatever. (laughs) I promise. I will never get it right. It's fine. And every time you hear it now, you'll chuckle and you'll think about me and it'll be great. (laughs) Uh, Well, Jane, do you have any last minute words of wisdom for any of our listeners? Much of the success that you see in my career has been really a blessing to be able to work with some of the most talented people in the industry. I have led some of the most amazing talent all over the world and on multiple continents. And I'm grateful that they were able to See my vision, mm-hmm. buy into my vision, and sign up to join my team. That's amazing. And then you get to do that for the next generation of women. Yeah. That's we incredible. Work <laughs> we do. We so, do. So thank you very much, Hannah. Thank you again for joining me. I've had a great time. And thanks again. You are so welcome. more about Jane Harper or for resources on HIPAA compliance and cybersecurity in healthcare, please head to powbox.com slash blog. Join our next virtual mixer on September 23rd. We'll send you a complimentary beverage to your door that day and your attendance is completely free. Please email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H at powbox.com and I'll get you registered. An update on Powbox Secure, we have rescheduled our fourth annual Healthcare Cybersecurity and Innovation Conference to March 23rd and 24th, 2022 at the Park MGM in Las Vegas. Head to powboxsecure.com for more information. As always, please feel free to shoot an email to hannah at powbox.com if there's a topic you'd like to see us explore in Hypocritical. You can listen to every episode of Hypocritical on powbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, 
Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trum, signing off.